Hey, Shoujo fans! Welcome to episode 15 of Shoujo Sunday. We will be going over episode 7 through 9 of Kageke Shoujo. Let's dig in. What the Shino Left off. After some prodding, the freshman class of Coca got to act out a scene from Romeo and Juliet. I, Sarasa, Chika, and Hoshino team up and do their best to learn their lines in order to stand out. Once they finish acting out the scene in front of their class, Ando-sensei thoroughly critiques each person. The episode ends with Ando-sensei dramatically telling Sarasa that if she doesn't change, she will never be a top star. Now, it's time to talk about episode 7. Here is our soft serve summary. It's summer break, and Sarasa and I go back to Sarasa's hometown in Asakusa for a visit. There, I meet Grandpa Ken and Akia Shirakawa. Akia and I sort of get off on a rocky start since they don't know each other, but we are able to learn a lot about Sarasa. The Kabuki Man, aka the man we, at least the man that I assume was Akia's brother, is actually Sarasa's father, and Sarasa is his illegitimate daughter. That's why he sent her flowers for her 16th birthday. He happens to be married to the daughter of the head actor of the Kabuki troupe that he is in, Kao Shirakawa. This also explains why the Shirakawa women speak harshly and look down on Sarasa. Unfortunately, Akia becomes jealous of her while they're children due to how accomplished Sarasa is while doing kabuki and tells an older lady in the troupe about it. That lady ends up kicking Sarasa out of the school and Grandpa Ken forbades any contact between the troop and Sarasa, with the exception of Akia since they are childhood friends. Unfortunately, during this time, Sarasa's grandmother passes away. Akia and Sarasa remain friends and sort of get into a relationship post-Sarasa leaving the Kabuki troupe, and Akia later invites I and Sarasa to a show, and from then on, Akia encourages Sarasa to not give up on her dreams, and the episode ends with I questioning if the two are actually dating or not. Okay, so for themes, Gianna, do you have a theme? I do have a theme. I said, if you know what you want, do all that you can to move towards it. Yeah, that's good. Thanks. Yeah, I said, always be open to new experiences and ways of being. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Like a go with the flow kind of thing. Yeah. Do you have a sprinkle on top? I actually do not. Do you? No, I don't. Not for this episode. (laughs) Maybe next time, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into Floats Your Boat. What I liked about this episode, first off, I 
like the fact that Sarasa invited I to go stay with her during summer break. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really great that Sarasa is making a place for I in her life. And I is so appreciative of that. And I think it's always nice that I has somewhere else to be rather than going home to her dreadful mother and her terrible boyfriend. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite thing perhaps about this episode is just I and Sarasa's friendship particularly from Ai's perspective, because she's just so excited about it. She tries to cheer Sarasa up on the train by asking her about her boyfriend, even though it's kind of to no avail. And she's just so excited about the concept of being best friends with her. When Sarasa's like, yeah, we're basically best friends, I lights up. <laughs> and she's just so happy to be there. Yeah, she's so happy. And then I also like the fact that she wanted to make a good impression on Grandpa Ken. Yeah, she was so sweet, gifting him like a little box of, I'm guessing like chocolates or something. I have seen people like gift chocolate to like family members and stuff. So I feel like it's possible. I mean, I'm personally always game to receive chocolates as a gift for a good impression. Right. I mean, I like chocolate. It's just that it breaks me out so like <laughs> oh yeah yeah i only eat it if it's during that time of the month because then it's like i'm already breaking out at that point so <laughs> <laughs> and it hits like extra good at that time so yeah i feel you yeah yeah but i thought it was really sweet that she wanted to make a good impression on him to the point that her feet fell asleep because she was sitting so formally in front of him yeah she was like I can't move. I can't feel my legs. It's okay. I'll get up when I kind of can. It was really cute. Yeah, yeah. So I guess something else that I noticed, I guess I should have said this earlier, was that I thought it was so lucky that Sarasa and I got to meet part of the winter troop when they were on the train. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, the two stars. I only remember Say. Say is the one that has the dark hair. Say is really cool. I want to be Say's friend. I want to be Say's friend too because she's just so confident in the skin that she's in and accomplished mm -hmm. and just nice to the students and I really like that about her especially since we've at least within Coca we've just seen like the cattiness between the girls yeah exactly she doesn't have that competition air like other girls have there yeah yeah because I guess she's just confident in her abilities since she already is a top star that she doesn't see the point in sabotaging somebody else's like dreams and stuff so it was just nice to see them like relate to one another on the train mm -hmm. I thought I mean, before I heard what Akia said to I, I thought it was cute that he bought her tickets to his show. Yeah, I was a little torn about that because I was like, is that the birthday present that he wasn't going to send her because he absolutely could have like sent her a birthday present? Yeah. I was... <laughs> I don't know. I just always got kind of weird vibes from him. So I, I I mean, it was nice that he had that for her. Having it be revealed that it meant so much to her to be able to go to the show, especially made it better in my eyes. Yeah. And I guess because of the fact that Grandpa Ken had that band, like she didn't even have any thoughts of seeing it, mm -hmm. but he got his permission. So I thought that that was nice that he like went out of the way to get Grandpa's Ken permission before he got her the tickets. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. Yeah, and then he also got her another action figure, sort of similar to the one that I got, except I guess it's more exclusive and possibly more expensive. Yeah, it seemed that way. Yeah. It was like the clear version. And I guess I'm actually near the end of the episode with likes, so... Yeah, I guess it's it's an easy like to have. I liked the way Akia encouraged Sarasa to continue to chase her dreams and pursue her goals. It's very supportive, even if they're not... We have questions about their romantic involvement. Right, but okay. Even if it's from, even if it's from a friend's standpoint... It's really nice to just have someone tell you they believe in you and they want you to keep going for what you want. Yeah. And then I think what I also liked about that scene was the fact that I doesn't even know that much, but she was like, oh, I'm being a third wheel. Let me go somewhere <laughs> so that they can have time to talk to one another. Yeah, that was very considerate of her. She's like, I'm just going to go get some food for the train ride home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought that was great. But I think that's all of Floats Your Boat. So let's move on to Banana Split. Okay, I have one Banana Split. I think I have two. Okay. Yeah, I think I have two. So one is about, it's about Ando Sensei. Okay. So I know that he really wasn't featured technically in this episode. It's just that Sarasa kept thinking about his critique in her mind. Mm -hmm. And so I think the reason why it's a banana split for me is that it did at first seem really harsh because we were coming off of that cliffhanger. But then you see in the flashback that he had more to say about it. And he talked about how she was copying the actress that she watched play Tybalt she was copying that person's portrayal of Tybalt which I guess in one way that's it's good that Ando Sensei was so knowledgeable about Koka that he could actually point out the exact actress that she was copying mm -hmm. but then at the same time I kind of wish that he gave her something like encouraging at the end right the sandwich method yeah the sandwich method I feel like if he had done that then maybe she wouldn't have felt so bad. But I also, I guess because we get to see how Sarasa grew up within this episode, we saw that Kabuki acting, at least a good part of that is being able to copy past performances and to like, mimic that sort of thing so it made sense why sarasa sort of based her portrayal off of that actress's work because that's all she knew how to do i just didn't know how to feel because it's like i think it was right of him to tell her that she needs to be able to be her own person and add her own spin to the role and not to mimic an actor but at the same time I would have appreciated if he did the sandwich method so that she wouldn't have been bogged down by his critique so much yeah it's definitely more constructive when there's something to feel you can build on that you can construct on and it's not just tearing down yeah yeah uh what was your banana split I guess in a way it's kind of similar to yours. It's about when the older lady was yelling at Tharsa about her not being able to play a role meant for a man when she got older. Yeah. There's just definitely a better way to have told Tharsa that the role she wanted to play was strictly for men, not you'll never achieve your dreams. Like, I understand that she needed to learn that she wouldn't be able to play the role someday, but I don't think she had to be screamed at about it. Right. And you know, 
know why. I honestly just think that's because she's like the Kabuki man's illegitimate daughter. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the reason why that grandma was so harsh on her is because she's a product of an affair. And so I think it's one thing the Kabuki man had an affair, but the fact that a child actually came from that affair and he has that child around his wife's family and the workplace, I feel like her being that harsh is because it's like she's... It's as if she's trying to show loyalty to the Kabuki man's wife, which I know his name is, his name is something, guys. I just. He looks like Shigure in the flashbacks from Fruits Basket. Oh my gosh. And Shigure wasn't shit either, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he is a lot. (laughs) To be honest, like, oh my gosh, like he did some shicey things too. And so it's just (laughs) to, to see Kozaburu, I think. That's how you say his name. I like Kabuki Man personally. I like Kabuki Man because that's how we've been calling him. So yeah. <laughs> um. So not only did you cheat on your wife, and you're trying to be part of this troop, so you're indebted to her family, but now you're bringing your child around her family. Of course, they would be mad. Yeah, there's definitely reasons to be uncomfortable there. Right. I just think that that lady falling down and like being all sad post telling her to go away. I feel like that was when she realized that she was saying like fucked up shit to a child because the person to get mad at is the Kabuki man, y'all. Like he's the one that walked off on his, I mean, not walked off because he's still married to that lady, but he's the one that cheated. And I mean, technically I know people get mad at like the other woman, but we don't even know where her mom is. Yeah, we don't know if her mom is still around. I mean, I'm guessing the mom is alive because of the fact that you know sarsa visits the grandmother's grave all of the time and so if the mom was dead or let's assume like if she died during childbirth i'm sure she probably would have visited her mom so i'm assuming the mom's still who knows but regardless she didn't need to take that vitriol or whatever and unleash that on a child like that was very unnecessary yeah absolutely the last bananas that i had is actually about the ending just like i i also wondered are they dating? Right. Or are they just friends? A handshake goodbye when she's going back for the semester? Are you kidding me? Right. And that's why I'm just kind of like, who does that? And it made me think about at the start of the episode when I is asking who Akia is and she asked him if he is Saras's boyfriend. And he's all like, I don't even know you. And that's something you should ask Sarasa, which is just like, why would you even say that like you could literally just say yes or no (laughs) yeah honestly that's i only have one ice cream you scream and it was akia's attitude when i was trying to make conversation and introduce herself it's all very weird energy coming from him right right i had that in my ice cream you scream as well but i just in general the banana split was just if you're dating i don't even think you know what i feel like the way that Sarsa is, that's her boyfriend. That's not her boyfriend. Her friend boy. Yeah, that's her friend. That's a boy. That's just how she sees it. I don't think that it's a legitimate relationship because I don't think that they're dating. That explains to me why he just felt that, oh, I'll just text her happy birthday at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm going to get mad about that all over again. <laughs> 
<laughs> I hate that shit. Oh my god. Right. <laughs> Even if you're friends, you can still tell her when you wake up. Oh, happy birthday. I care about you. Yeah, I like set an alarm for my friends at midnight to text them on their birthday, happy birthday. Like your partner, you're like, oh, well, at the end of the day, fuck off. <laughs> like, God. <laughs> right. Fuck that. They've got to just be friends at that point because I don't know how you can like casually date somebody and then you just don't say anything. And then on top of it, they live in different places. So it's not as if you just get to like walk up to her or see her and this is her first year at this brand new place. And obviously it's like unless she says something, nobody else is going to tell her happy birthday. So why won't you be one of the first people like that says it? But yeah, because of him being so lackluster about saying something on her birthday and then him giving her a handshake at the end of that episode, I just think that they're friends. Yeah, it really comes across that way. Yeah. And then we can just have, we can have the Yuri plot, the gay love that we want to see. <laughs> Please, I'm, I am begging on my knees for this to be a Yuri. That's what I want to see because Akia is just not cutting it. Yes, Kaga gay shoujo, please. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so now we're going to move to Ice Cream, You Scream, because I don't have Rocky Road or Hot Fudge, unless you do. I do not. So Ice Cream, You Scream. So yeah, we already talked about this a little bit earlier. I also didn't like the way that Akia chided I. Yeah, like I know that she's a little bit awkward and maybe she could have started off with a better comment than you're the frog bot that talks to Sarza. But she was just trying to introduce herself and she so quickly retracted like, I'm sorry, I'm not really good at talking to people. And he was still giving her attitude. Yeah, the thing about it for me is that when he saw her, the first thing he's talked about was the fact that she was in JPX. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, you recognize her. You're saying JPX. And she recognized you as being Saris's boyfriend. But you didn't see her just be like, I'm not in it anymore. Like, you know, like. Mm -hmm. And also, is that how you talk to a celebrity? Right. He's like, you're JPX. Like, she was an idol. She was hugely popular. And he's just going to give her sass like that? Really? Right. And like, the thing about it for me is just like, I don't understand why he wouldn't give her the time of day oh wait you know what maybe this is like half banana split half ice cream you scream because from what he remembered because she was tweeting about sarsa was tweeting about their fight oh so I forgot. If he's remembering the things that Sarsa said when they had that fight, and I mean, yeah, they could have made up, but you know, like when somebody crosses like your friend and then they make up with that person, that doesn't mean that you, that you're good with that person's friend. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. 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 So I guess half and half, just because if he was coming at it from that standpoint, I sort of get it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's harder to forgive somebody that did wrong against your friend. Yeah. Because it's just like, why would you do that to my friend? But okay, I still think he could have been better about it, but I sort of understand now if it's in that context. Do you have an ice cream you scream? That's actually the only one I had. Okay, so I put the Akia being jealous of Sarasa thing. Oh, okay. I put that in ice cream you scream because 
I think that, and he said it within the flashback that he knew what he was doing when he told the older woman about how talented Sarsa was and told that woman about Sarsa's dream because of the fact that Akia was jealous of the fact that Sarsa was so good. And that if you compile that with the fact that she's the Kabuki man's illegitimate daughter, it would be offensive because then at that point, it's just like that girl. I mean, and I don't know the rules for Kabuki. I feel like it's the all-men troop to Koka's all-female troop thing. And also a different style of, like, acting. But I guess that he just felt intimidated by how good she was. Even though, at the same time, he wanted to be her friend. It's just that when he would talk about her, the women that he was around always had a negative reaction because of the fact that Sarasa's illegitimate. So... So I think that, you know, Akia used that to his advantage because the way that he said it, if it had been a different person or someone that's not related to the head troop guy, someone not related to the Shirakawas, they probably would have been like, oh, yeah, that's so nice. Or they would have encouraged the line of thought, like the way that he said it, it was he said it positively. And so anyone else would have been like, oh, yeah, she is great. That's great. Be friends with her. But because of her circumstances and him saying it like that they were quick to shut her down because they wouldn't want her to take precedent over their family considering that she's a product of an affair yeah i thought there was a moment too when he was talking to the old lady who ended up yelling at her that he knew exactly what he was doing yeah he did and that made me uneasy. It made me uneasy because it was just kind of like, why would you unleash that on her? Right. Like, if you really cared about her and you really respected her, you're telling your mom, oh, I really like this girl. Why are you going to do something that you know is going to directly hurt her? Yeah. And then on top of that, the fact that they made her dad apologize to the grandpa, mm-hmm. that was pretty heavy in and of itself. I mean, I guess to just get into this dynamic, because it wasn't in any of our segments, the fact that she's illegitimate. I would say, I don't know. I guess I don't know how to feel about it, because given the fact that Kabuki Man had no plans on leaving that family and leaving the troop, it's, he's not in a place to do right by Sarasa because he's dependent on his wife's family. But I think at the same time, us finding out that she's his illegitimate child and and they don't have a relationship. I don't know how to feel about that because in her eyes, unless she knows too, maybe she does, but I don't know. But in Saras's eyes, the only family she has is Grandpa Ken. And so I think that it's sad that she can't have a straight up relationship with her dad. Yeah. I mean, I understand why Grandpa Ken forbade her from going to that troop because that lady was a bitch and he didn't want Saras's spirit to be broken. At the same time, I don't, I don't know if I technically agree with him not allowing the Kabuki man to associate with her. I just don't understand that dynamic at all. Yeah, me neither. Because it's obvious that he cares a lot about Sarasa and would love to support her, but he's just not being given that chance. Yeah, he's not being given the chance. And I guess he's trying to respect Grandpa Ken at the same time. But if Sarasa doesn't know that that's her dad, I feel like that's kind of fucked up 
because she should know that that's her dad. She absolutely should. So that she can at least think that she has more people that care about her. Yeah. And I think that it's interesting, I guess, because of their circumstances and Akia being able to still contact Sarasa, it makes sense why her dad would take her supposed boyfriend's like iPad and tweet messages to her to encourage her. Yeah, but that's still that's still real weird to me it is very weird to me i don't know like thinking about my father taking a partner's ipad and tweeting on their behalf like romantic encouraging things at me makes my skin crawl yeah it would make my skin crawl uh, first of all that shit wouldn't have even happened because like well of course yeah right but I mean, <laughs> if it did no thank you right like you know if i was a parent i would just be like you know you aren't good enough well I know that's kind of messed up, guys. I mean, I don't really have plans on being a parent, but I would just, if I was a parent, (laughs) I would just be like, are you even good enough for my daughter? You don't even text her in the morning when it's her fucking birthday. (laughs) Oh my God, right? Like, Akia, I guess if I was going to have hot fudge for this episode, it's probably not, it's actually not hot fudge. It's just, I guess, me being mad. Akia's not a catch. He's not. He's not a catch. He's not. Go home. You don't even like her for real. She's just there. Yeah. I feel like that would be messy because it's like they're sort of cousins twice they're cousins once removed or something like that because of the fact that her dad is married to i don't know if that's akira's aunt or somebody that's within his family i think it's weird that it's just like okay like the dad stepped out had this child but he's married into the family that akia is in so then if akia marries her then she'll also be part of the family right it's weird and complicated. It's so complicated that I just want them to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, they need to be friends for this Yuri to happen. So we're just waiting on it. We're manifesting. We're manifesting the gay because I'd rather her just be a lesbian or be bi and only into I than for her to be with boring Akia. He's so boring. yeah there's really nothing alluring about him yeah like it's cool that he's a performer but that's where it starts and ends yeah i guess let's go on to episode eight which is called kaoru's summer i've been calling her hoshino this whole time guys i'm gonna end up sticking to it okay so here's our soft serve summary this episode focuses on Hoshino's backstory. Before she got into Koka, she studied very, very hard to make it. She took dance classes, singing lessons. She met up with her grandmother constantly while she was in the hospital, and her grandmother used to be part of Koka. She just did the whole nine. And apparently, from what we see within this flashback, she applied four times, and she wasn't able to get in. So the fifth time was her very last chance. So during the summertime within this flashback, Hoshino meets a boy named Rokoto Suji at a bus stop. And Suji, his brother, is a famous Major League Baseball player. And he feels a lot of pressure to take after him, even though he usually sits on the bench um, when it comes to playing baseball. Hoshino finds Kamari with him since she feels pressured to get into Koka, um, since that's not only what she wants, but both her mother and her grandmother were famous Koka actresses. And they begin to bond over their angst and obstacles. Later, Suji 
invites Hoshino to a fireworks festival and they sit down and talk about the pressure of being who they are again. And it's during this conversation that Hoshino gets offended when Suji compares himself to her when he has thoughts of giving up baseball. But Hoshino never thought about giving up on Koka. And so she gets so upset that she leaves and it's days and they don't see each other. And during that time, uh, Suji ends up hitting a home run during this baseball tournament. His team in high school is able to qualify for a major baseball game. And Hoshino is proud of him. Unfortunately, or I guess by choice, Hoshino never visits that bus stop again, and she never sees Suji again. And when the flashback ends, Hoshino later learns that Suji left a note at the bus stop to let her know that he's still doing baseball and to thank her for the memories that they made. And so at that point, Hoshino promises in her head that she would give Suji front row tickets when she's a star at Koka and will maybe confess that she actually fell in love with him that summer that they met. So that's the summary, guys. Gianna, do you have a theme? Yes, I do. I put, no matter where you come from, you are your own person and you can carve your own path in life. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. I just said, do what you want to do and try to ignore the pressure. Just keep going no matter what. Okay. Yeah, that definitely fits. Yeah. So do you have a sprinkle on top? I do not. Okay. I do have one sort of. Ooh. So the sprinkle on top that I chose is actually the bus stop. Okay. So, you know, the way that bus stops are, the bus is either coming or going in a certain direction. And within the episode, you see that Hoshino and Suji, when they're together, but they're at this bus stop, they're talking to one another, they get on the bus, they're going in the same direction. And then once there's discord, I guess, between them, then they go in separate directions. But that doesn't mean that they aren't able to connect and be of the same mind. And so I thought that the bus stop would be a good symbol of like their relationship but then I guess also their goals at the same time, because all you can really do is like move forward. I like that. That's a really neat interpretation. Thanks. You know, I was trying. <laughs> <laughs> trying. Hashtag trying. <laughs> okay. So floats your vote. I'll admit I don't really have as much. I feel like I was just experiencing the episode. A lot of mine are just reactive. Yeah. I think all of mine are reactive, actually, for this one. I feel like all of mine are reactive as well. I did like, in the beginning of the episode, before we find out that this episode's going to be all about Hoshino, I liked that we were able to have some time with Ai and Sarasa, and I was being so cute in that she, like, covered her eyes and she was just like, oh, I can read your mind now. Yeah. And was just like, even if you can't do Kabuki, like, both of us, we can go down the Koka stage together, or something along those lines. Yeah, I think she said we'll walk the silver bridge together or something it's just so sweet it was so sweet because she just knew that that's what she was thinking about and like it was exactly what sarasa needed to hear because you know her eyes lit up as soon as she heard that yeah so it was just great to see that friendship development before we learned more about hoshino yeah yeah i really loved that moment ai as a best friend is just so wholesome and pure it's so cute just to see her so excited about this friendship yeah 
and to see her just want to make sure that she's being there for Sarasa and doing what she can to like cheer her up like despite her own personality yeah so I really like that we love Kaoru's haircut yeah I had that as well everybody noticed it and they were being so complimentary about her haircut I feel like that's also in my ice cream ice cream though because oh <laughs> I like the fact that they were complimentary of her haircut but I didn't like Hoshino's reaction to it <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, she's a lot sometimes. Yeah, I feel like, you know, you could really just say thank you and leave it at that. Yeah, that really could be the end of it. <laughs> it really could be. But instead, it was just like, I guess it's, maybe it's just part of her personality that she's just so stuck on Coca that she's just like, stop bothering about this. Are you being better? And like, you got too tan and, and, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's like technically in both because I just wish she had a better reaction. But I thought it was nice that they kind of went out of their way to all compliment her to make her feel good about herself. Yeah. Do you have any ice, um, not ice cream, ice cream, um, floats your boat? I guess overall, just watching Kado and Suji's little love story blossom was very heartwarming until it took the turn it took. Yeah. Like seeing Suji at the beginning struggle so much living in the shadow of his brother and always getting compared to him. And then Kadu comes along, and she's always getting compared to her mother and her grandmother in a similar way, and they get to bond over that. It was really nice to see that ease come over them as they vented to each other about their struggles with that. I really liked it because it was like the summertime romance that we just never expected to see. Yeah. I think Suji just did his best. He really did. And I feel like Suji was a really, just a really likable, like, character and was doing what he could to like learn about her because he just noticed her based off of those girls like sort of talking shit and he was uncomfortable with them talking about him which I also thought that was so weird low-key where that's a low-key uh, ice cream ice cream I don't know why you would talk about somebody and they're sitting right there right how stupid that was so rude like why would you even do that but the fact that he was able to find like kinship with Hoshino and talk to her and I think it was great. I particularly liked when he was like, I bet even with a mustache, you'd still be pretty because she was telling him how she wanted to play the male roles at Coca. And she's like, oh my God, a boy called me pretty. I just loved that so much. It was so wholesome. I loved it too. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess... The last thing was, I guess, technically earlier on in the episode was the fact that she was visiting her grandmother a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I feel like, I mean, older people, they do get lonely. And even though her grandmother is like a famous actress, it's not like she wants to see like her weird ass fans that I don't know how they found out what hospital she was in. Yeah, that's weird. That was very weird and invasive. So I'm just like, let me tell you what I'm not going to do. Like. I love Sandra Bullock because of my mom. But if Sandra Bullock was in a hospital, me as a random person she's never met before would never go to the hospital <laughs> to go visit her. The hospital is literally the last place you want to feel like you have to put on airs for someone or strangers. Yeah. You're kind of at your worst in the hospital. You really don't want to be meeting anyone for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're friends. 
friends, you know? Maybe they were fans turned friends. Maybe. I just, the thought of a fan visiting a celebrity in the hospital makes my skin crawl because it's just like, should they even know what room she's in? Right. Where's the security measures, but... Are they all lying to the front desk saying that they're a cousin or something? Yeah, like saying that they're family and like... Anyway, (laughs) I thought that shit was weird, but I thought it was nice that Hoshino was visiting her grandma and making sure she's like okay and talking to her yeah it was really sweet yeah do you have any other floats your boat i just have one more okay I just thought seeing Suji invite Kaoru to a festival was so adorable. Oh yeah, that was so romantic. Yeah, she arrives looking so beautiful in a kimono and he compliments her saying how nice she looked. And then there was a beautifully like chef's kiss, well-timed little kids chasing after each other at the festival. Like, come on big bro. And they bump into Kaoru and he catches her hand and they end up walking around holding hands. I put like a little heart in my notes. I just thought it was so cute that entire moment gave me all of the shoujo feels yeah i really love that they were able to hold hands and they just didn't let go either it's all just like okay and so i was just encouraged i was like oh okay like maybe you know she's a hard ass but you know maybe she's soft with him but guys (laughs) (laughs) that's well (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm sad about it. <laughs> yeah. So, banana split. Um, I just have one. Okay, I actually don't have any, so go ahead. So, the banana split that I had was, it was more of a question, because they said it was her last year to apply to Coca. And so, I was confused, because you know how, like, in an earlier episode, uh, Sarasa's advisor is older, like, was in her 20s? Yeah, she said she was 20. I was thinking about that, too. And so, at first, I was confused, because I was just like, okay, well, if she got in, but she got in older... Is it an age limit or is it an application limit? My guess is there's an application limit if someone's 20 and they're like a second year. Yeah. Or wait, if she's a second. No, yeah, I might. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it has to be like an application limit. It wasn't clear enough within the anime if it was like you have to be a certain age to apply or it's the number of times because it's said in the episode that she applied like four times. So at first I was just like, oh, maybe you're only allowed to apply five times. But then I wasn't sure if there was also an age thing. That was kind of confusing. Yeah, yeah, because I was wondering the same thing. Yeah. Do you have Rocky Road or Hot Fudge? Just ice cream, you scream. I kept it pretty simple this week. Okay. I had a Rocky Road, but it didn't make me fully cry. I think I was just more sad for Hoshino. When she went to go visit her grandmother at one point, and then I guess maybe her grandmother assumed that she was just trying to get into Coca because she was in Coca and her mom was in Coca. So she just said, if you want to do other things, like you can do other things. But Hoshino didn't want to do other things. Yeah. And so I felt sad for her because even though she visited her grandmother like so many times, it was it was sad that the grandmother didn't pick up on the fact that this was something that she actually wanted and not just like a family tradition or family pressure sort of thing. Yeah. And in a way, I actually interpreted that scene a little bit differently. Okay. I thought that Kadu was maybe hearing her grandmother not believe in her. 
because she's applying for the last time and she's like, you know, if you have other things, almost like maybe you should consider a backup plan. But I think yours is probably more correct, but that's just also how I interpreted the scene. No, because like I could have interpreted it that way as well. I think it could go either way, to be honest. Yeah, either way, it is real sad. Yeah. So now let's go into ice cream, you scream. Do you want to start? Yeah. My first one's just really simple. It was about those girls talking about Kado walking around with her umbrella. Like, mind your business and let this girl walk around with an umbrella on a sunny day if she wants to. Yeah, because it's like, how is that shit bothering you? Right. Like, you're going to be mad when her skin's flawless and yours isn't, so shut up. Right, right. I didn't. I didn't like that either. I guess I'll sort of be blunt. I know that this is kind of messed up and I haven't read Kageki Shoujo, so I don't really know how it plays out in the manga, but I personally didn't really need a Hoshino backstory. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. I was like, this is random. <laughs> yeah, it felt random in the sense that I thought we were just going to be focusing really on Sarasa and I. Mm-hmm. Me too. And it's not that the side characters can't have like moments, but I didn't expect them to have full on episodes. Yeah, which we kind of have in the next episode too. True. Yeah, I just didn't think that that was going to happen. And so it's just like okay well if you're gonna do this with Hoshino and then in the next episode they do it with the twins then is the remaining episodes that we watch because there's only 13 are they also going to be about other people in the class because how does that move the plot yeah I want to know more about Ai and Sarasa than I do all these other girls yeah no offense yeah no offense to them also just (laughs) waiting for the Yuri to kick in we only got a few episodes left we're on the lookout for the gay y'all we're on the lookout for shoujo sunge i am waving the flag like waving the, <laughs> we're waving the flag so so yeah i had that in ice cream you scream not that it wasn't a cute story it's just that i didn't personally need it yeah no i agree yeah having a famous relative sucks oh my god i felt so bad for suji just living in the shadow of his brother especially when that girl was like can you give this love letter to your brother oh my god leave him alone and while she was explaining all of her feelings to his brother she even mentioned the fact that she knows that his brother is engaged to somebody else (gasps) yeah and so i'm just like if you know he is engaged why would he give a fuck about a random lover letter from somebody he doesn't know right gosh i know at least for some idols and i guess well i don't know about celebs but at least when it comes to k-pop stuff what i know about that i know this is japanese anime guys give me a break but when it comes to like k-pop idols like fans can send letters to whatever agency that they're signed with And maybe they do the same things for like sports. I'm not sure. I'm not as aware of that. But I feel like the fact that she put him in that place of having to say no and to make him feel bad for saying no, I thought that was terrible. Yeah, my heart really went out to Suji for pretty much this entire episode, but particularly in those early scenes when he was just feeling the weight of the shadow of his brother's fame all over him and he gets it everywhere it's like when he's playing baseball even if he's unassuming and technically 
technically just sitting at a bus stop and minding his own business. He can't ever get away from that shadow. Yeah. So I thought that that sucked. But one thing I will give Hoshino is the fact that she did start talking to him at that moment because she felt bad about what he was going through. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely give that to her. Yeah. Uh, Something that's sort of small, but I'll say it because I'm the Black co-host. So when it comes to them talking about tanning and stuff... I get that maybe they were trying to be poetic or just talk about the differences between Suji's skin and Hoshino's skin um, and the fact that since he does play baseball that he's always outside and he tans. But he didn't need to compare himself to Othello because Othello is a black man. I know it's a fictional character, but Shakespeare depicted him as being black and he is usually played by black actors. Getting a tan doesn't make you black. Yeah. I will say, too, I was kind of surprised. I shouldn't say kind of surprised. I was surprised when, at the beginning of the episode, after they talk about her haircut, and she's like, you got tan over the summer as if, like, not being pale isn't beautiful. Right. And I couldn't believe that an anime that came out this recently had something like that in it. Yeah, um, isn't it My Dress Up Darling? They had something about tan and beauty and all of the stuff. It's very draining. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh, no. Well, we know one not to do then. Right. It's like, first of all, I don't even know. We have to check if it's even shoujo or not. So Right. Because things we keep thinking are shoujo are not, as we're learning slowly. Yeah, we learn about that. And y'all know, there are a lot of things that come out that it's like basically a shoujo and they just put shonen on it. But yeah, well, in any case, to like move past the skin tan and the skin comments and stuff. Do you have other ice cream you scream? Because I sort of have one that's like a little combined. I feel like I have two, but they're probably kind of combined too. So I wonder if it's like the same stuff. It's about her getting mad at him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I understand the fact that she didn't want to give up her dream of going to Coca. Yeah. And that she's sensitive about her shit. I get it. I don't think that she needed to run away from him. I feel like Hoshino could have stayed and just articulated how she felt. Yeah. It was like the most melodramatic thing I've seen in a hot minute. Right. And it's just kind of like, girl, he's the first one to ever tell you you were pretty. Yeah. Oh, bless him. <laughs> right. He invited her to this firework festival and y'all were holding hands. And not only that, like y'all were texting each other all of the time. So... For him to say something and you just didn't take to it, I don't understand why she had such a melodramatic reaction. And then on top of it, because this is where it becomes combined, why wouldn't you contact him again? <laughs> like, right. Doesn't she block him on her phone the next day? You can unblock people. Yeah. Especially after he won. Yeah. And she had tears in her eyes. She was so proud of him. And she's like, not going to do anything about it. It? it it's wild when sadasa was showing her the letter she's like oh look no one knows what this is from it's like gone viral online and she's like one day after i cross the silver bridge if you're still doing what you want to i'll save you a seat in the vip section and maybe i'll tell you that i loved you you know like you can totally just unblock him and text him you can go to the bus stop he obviously still likes you despite you storming off like melodramatically the way you did 
Just what an awful ending to what was a beautifully crafted love story. Beautifully crafted. Because I was like, oh, okay, you know, he wins that shit. I'm thinking maybe they get back together and that's just her man. But in a more legit way. I would have been sprinting back to that bus stop with that letter. Oh my God. Right. Like, not this, I'll see if you have a seat in the VIP section. Okay, Miss Confidence. You're very confident because he could have a bitch, okay? He's not going to be like the Kabuki man and like... Right. <laughs> it better be a couple tickets for the VIP section for him and his lady. His Him and his lady and his wife and his daughter or her son <laughs> or whatever else. Like, yeah. first of all, you can block him, right? He could get a whole new number. Yeah, she gonna lose him forever over some drama that she could have just communicated more effectively about. Can't believe, like, she cock-blocked herself. She did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, I'm so, oh, girl, this is why. A man like Suji is rare. Like, she lost a good one. Because he went out of his way. I cannot believe that he went and wrote that note and put it in there. To be honest, I would be like, well, fuck that girl. Like, you didn't give him a chance. He made one mistake. Anyway. It's so frustrating. Very frustrating. And it just leads me back to that initial, I didn't need this backstory because... Yeah. Now I'm just mad. Especially if they aren't even going to get together at the end. They're a more legit couple versus Sarsa and Akia, like her cousin once removed. Yeah. What a terrible ending. Yeah, truly. Truly. Unless you have another one, that's all my ice cream you scream. I'm good to move on. Okay, guys. This soft serve summary is brought to you in part by Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) So here's our soft serve summary for episode nine, The Two Juliets. So rehearsals are underway for the Grand Coca School Festival, where the superiors, the alumnus of the Coca School, team up with the students. And this means that even top actresses of the Coca troupe are going to be around. At one time, Sarasa and some of the first years accidentally stumbled into a room with all of the top stars of all four troops in it. The first years are so amazed by how down to earth the superiors are, and they feel at ease. Later on, Mirai Nohara, one of the superiors, gets to know Chiaki. And then when she calls to Chika because she mistakes Chika for Chiaki, Chiaki ends up ignoring her. Later on, Chiaki gets scolded and Sarasa is able to clarify things. The fact that Chiaki has a twin sister. Uh, So no penalties were given to the first years for insulting the superiors. But Chiaki notices that she is being ignored by the superiors. And this causes the twins to have a fight, which even causes Chika to bring up the fact that she delayed her admission to Koka because Chiaki failed the first time. Akiha Ichijo, one of the superiors, later apologized to Sarasa for getting caught up in the mistake and praises her for standing up for her friends, saying that she embodies the Koka spirit. Later, Chika goes to apologize to Mirai and says that her jealousy of her sister Chiaki caused her to not say anything in the first place. And Mirai urges her to not let negativity control her and to turn her jealousy into ambition. Chika and Chiaki made up later on, but they're now aware that they cannot be the exact same anymore and that their journey through Koka reached a crossroad prematurely. But one day, they feel like their paths will come together again. 
and the incident actually forges a friendship between the twins and Mirai. The day of the sports festival draws near when one of the top actresses in one of the troops comes by to the practice to see one of the superiors and she approaches Akiha about one of their members spraining their legs during the relay race and according to management it was suggested that another superior should take that person's place but Akiha suggests that a member of the centennial class should substitute for her so that is that summary guys i promise i will write one out next time (laughs) so gianna do you have a theme yeah i was kind of feeling the same theme that i wrote for the last episode which was like carving your own path but also communicating effectively is the best way to solve a problem perfect perfect i feel like i say that a lot on this podcast right i mean miscommunication seems to be a key theme within shoujo (laughs) yeah yeah I guess anime in general, but definitely within shoujo. My theme is, I just took it from the episode of turning jealousy into ambition. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a sprinkle on top? Kind of, but not really. Okay. (laughs) Just a comment. Welcome to episode five of Oran High School Host Club, The Twins Fight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I see it. I see it. Yeah. I just put the fork in the road. They talked about that in the episode. They're at this crossroads and so they're going in separate ways, which I feel like that's actually good because I think that rather than being stuck on being twins, it's good that Chika and Chiaki kind of define their own personalities yeah and are able to forge their own paths even if they have similarities they don't have to be similar all the time yeah and that will probably be more helpful for them in the coca sphere as well to define themselves as individual performers rather than we're just gonna be bunny girls twin bunny girls forever right because they'll get tired of that it's better to be different than to be the same yeah and i'm sure chiaki still wants to be juliet yeah Okay, so floats your boat. I don't have that many. Yeah, I have a few. My first one was even before the theme song kicked on. Okay. Just seeing Sugimoto's Coca library in her locker. (laughs) And Kari's like, why is that in your locker? I just loved that moment. It was very, it was like a lighthearted school moment that we haven't had a lot of in this show. It was definitely needed because we end up having so many heavy points (laughs) within Kageki Shoujo. Yeah. The shit's heavy almost all of the time. And so it was nice to see that. Mm Mm-hmm. Something that I had was I just like the fact that the superiors were so open to working with the students for this festival. Yeah. It was cool that they were open to working with them, but also fun just seeing how the girls reacted to working with their superiors. Even the entrance of like the top Otoyaku from all of the all four troops, I guess. Seeing all of those girls in one classroom and then seeing the freshmen react to them. I thought that was really great to see and it actually made me miss like magical girl transformations because like they sort of introduce each actress um, and tell you like their name and all of that. I'm sorry guys I really could not have been bothered <laughs> outside of say. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I don't blame you. Outside of say and maybe that's just a oh if I read the manga then it would have meant a lot to me but I didn't and so it's just kind of like 
Hmm. Okay, it's nice to see this little transformation and see what they mean to them. Not that it meant as much to me, but (laughs) I was glad to see it. It was a nice moment, yeah. Yeah. Also very nice to see was the subtle touch from the art to see Ai's hair starting to grow out. It was so pretty. It's just a little bit longer than it was before. Yeah, and it's like... I feel you can tell that time is passing yeah. based off of how long Ai's hair is. Because I feel like nobody else, even Sarasa, nobody else really changes but I. But maybe that's the point. Yeah, I was thinking, like, I guess these other girls are, like, regularly getting haircuts and I isn't. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, maybe her hair growing and... Oh my gosh, yes it is. Oh my, wow, wow, wow. Okay, guys. I know, I'm thinking about it too. (laughs) I just, it just hit me, okay? Because we see her cut her hair in her flashback when we find out what her mom's boyfriend had done to her. And she did that so that he had nothing to hold on to. And I guess now that she's surrounded by these women, but she's also trusting them, then she's like allowing her hair to grow out. Yeah, and I think it's also a sign of her healing from that trauma yeah yeah so just major character development you know what applause for kageki shoujo for me just yes yeah but yeah yeah the fact that she's trusting everyone now and she's making friends and she's becoming a better version of who she used to be it's great to see that so yeah i like that I guess something else that I liked that is more in relation to our main girls. I like the fact that Endo Sensei checked in on like Sarasa's well-being because you know we were complaining about that earlier about yeah. how he could have done like a sandwich method and giving Sarasa her critique. And so I like that they didn't even have to add it, but the fact that he asked her how she was and that fact that he noticed that his critique made her feel down. I'm glad that he cared enough to ask her like how she was and that she was able to tell him that it changed things for her but she's ready to like start again um i thought that was great yeah it's also nice just hearing sarasa be back on her feet again in that way yeah yeah she was really down about it yeah do you have any other floats your boat just little little things Okay. It was really sweet seeing Chiaki gush to her superior who played Juliet as a fan and less of a student. She was just genuinely talking to her with so much admiration for someone she watched since she was a child. It was just really sweet to see that respect flow through her. Yeah, it was really sweet to see that. I mean, I was calling her Juliet in the notes. Thanks, Wiki. We know her name is Mariah or Marae. But yeah, regardless, I thought that that was nice that she was able to have that moment and I'll say that it was also good to eventually see Murray I'm gonna call her Juliet y'all Superior Juliet <laughs> Superior Juliet so it was good to see Superior Juliet help Chica work out her feelings of jealousy towards Chiaki yeah it was a beautifully calm conversation and I loved how I don't, what's the way to put this? I just loved how Superior Juliet was so sweet to her and understanding and listened to her and wanted to help her. It wasn't like about the conflict and there was no anger or disdain there. It was just wanting to help this girl. Yeah, I love that she eventually allowed that to like happen, you know, and to have that conversation and stuff. Yeah. 
I have like one thing, but it's at the end of the episode. So I don't know if you have other stuff you wanted to. Oh, I had one more thing. It was actually a little earlier. I just liked that Sarasa tried to clear up the situation when Chica wouldn't speak up for some reason, which I won't get into that yet. <laughs> right, right. That was in another section for me. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also like the fact that, you know, Sarasa is willing to speak up and to say something. I wish that there was just more. There's always just like one person that does that. But to be quite honest, I feel like in real life, or at least maybe in the US, more people would have been like, you got the wrong twin. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not, the, you weren't talking to the right person. But yeah, I'm glad that Sarasa did that. And I guess the last thing that I had was the fact that the one superior told one one of the top actresses because I didn't feel bothered by knowing their names y'all I'm sorry there's just so many the one superior that was like the head one I guess she decided to volunteer a student to take part in the relay race rather than having a superior do it and so I thought that was really nice that they were going to give that opportunity to a student oh yeah yeah, just the relationship and the bond, the general bond between the superiors and the students was nice to see explored. Yeah, yeah. So that was all of Floats Your Boat. Do you have a banana split? I do not. Okay, I don't have one either. Do you have Rocky Road or Hot Fudge? I do have one little Rocky Road. Okay. I didn't cry per se, but it hit me in the feels when Chica decided to wait for Chiaki to get accepted into Coca and rejected her admission that's huge given their admission rate right and then when they finally did audition chiaki looked for chica's admission first before her own and i just thought that was so sweet that even though it meant literally everything to chiaki she wanted to make sure that her sister didn't miss her chance by rejecting her initial offer for her yeah yeah that that made me feel things too but yeah i would say so ice cream you scream this is kind of light but I didn't like the fact that the second years didn't just articulate the size of the paper for the pom-poms because it's just like y'all have the superiors there watching y'all's move why are you doing like petty shit like that right I feel like they just like to be without a better way to put this they just like to be bitches sometimes just because they can right just because they can I thought that was so shitty because it's just like okay you know that they're not supposed to make mistakes why would you not just tell them what size that the pom-poms needed to be yeah I guess the other thing that I disliked, I feel like you probably also dislike this as well, is the fact that Chica let her sister get in trouble. She could have easily just said, sorry, you're thinking of my sister. Or, hey, I'm a twin. You got the wrong one. Right. She didn't answer a superior. And she, and she just let her sister get thrown under the bus. I hated all of it. I hated all of it because I feel like, even though they made the mistake, I feel like the first year still could have gotten in trouble because of the fact that Chica didn't say anything. Yeah. She mistaked Chica for Chiaki. That was an innocent mistake. But the fact that Chica still didn't just say, oh, you got the wrong twin, that's still a 
respect issue. Yes. And so it's yes. like the whole class could have gotten in trouble just because Chica was feeling like a way about it. Exactly. And so I'm glad that they didn't, but I think that that was just really shitty of her because she really could have fucked things up for everyone. And I guess I'm glad that the superiors are more understanding because they really could have held to that. Well, even if you weren't the right twin, you still could have said, got the wrong twin. Yeah, for how harsh things can be at Coca, they were very lenient about that. Yeah, they're not as catty as the second year students. Yeah. Because if it was the second years, uh, they would have been screwed. So <laughs> yeah, so I didn't like that. Do you have ice cream you scream? No, that's it, really. I realized I probably should have taken more notes on this episode, and that's my bad, but that's all I've got. I had, I didn't like the fact that they were just fighting in front of everybody. Yeah, that was uncomfortable. Yeah, I think that, you know, if y'all know that y'all are about to have some sort of family, like, fight, y'all could have went to your room and had that fight, and then just explained that, oh, we want to sleep in other areas, but I think it was a lot. Not only are you fighting, but and you're also putting your classmates in an awkward position. <laughs> Because, you know, it's like, do they have to take sides? Now, somebody doesn't get to sleep in their own bed because y'all are, like, upset with one another. Right. But yeah, so uh, that was the last thing that I had for Ice Cream Ice Cream. Oh, okay. And I guess also, like I said in the last one, okay, one last Ice Cream Ice Cream. As I said in, for uh, episode eight, I also really didn't need a backstory for the twin. <laughs> I mean, like, on the one hand, it's nice to get to know the other characters, but I would feel more that way if we had more than 13 episodes to work with. Like, I just want to know what happens to our leads. Right. And I feel like, to be honest, if the plan was to introduce us to these characters, I don't know why they just didn't make that intro episode longer or to break that up. Like, when we're meeting everybody, because then that would make more sense and it would be like oh we are supposed to care about these side characters so there could have been more effort in I don't know having that flashback with Hoshino or whatever having that earlier on like when she first gets in or something or with the twins like we knew that there was something that was going to happen but I think that they could have articulated that in the beginning that we're supposed to care about these other people versus we're near the end of this season and and now we're learning about them. But they spent so much time having us learn about our two leads that it's just kind of like, okay, we're learning about you guys. And I guess this is sort of filler, but then not entirely filler because it's still sort of within like the plot. Yeah, we had that backstory episode for Ayako as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like with Ayako, I feel like I wasn't mad at us getting a backstory for her because of the fact that they were talking about something like they were talking about eating disorders and that was so serious. That's true. There was something very important highlighted in that episode. Yeah. So it didn't feel the same to me. Maybe it's just because of the fact that these backstories, maybe because the topics weren't as serious, was part of the reason why I was just kind of like, what is the purpose of this? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I guess that is the end of episode nine. And that is the end of shoujo sunday episode 15 thank you guys for listening to us and holding on as we get through kageki shoujo i guess we're just looking forward to you know how the story will progress will we get the gay that we want to see oh please <laughs> please shoujo sunday please, please. <laughs>
The Yuri. We want it. We want to see it. The Yuri. The Yuri of it all. But yeah, you guys, make sure to, if you haven't, rate us five stars on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Also, follow us on social media. We are Shoujo Sunday everywhere. And I am Chica Supreme. You can follow me at Chica Supreme. Um, That's Chica with a K, you guys. And Gianna? You guys can follow me. I'm Gianna Luna. You can find me at... At Gianna underscore Luna underscore across socials. And that's Gianna with one N. And we will see you guys next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.